Welcome to U.S. History Repeated. On today's podcast, we will be discussing the concept of money and the various forms it has taken over time. To paraphrase Shakespeare, money, by what other name, would sound as sweet. Think of all the different names or slang words that we have for money. How did we get the forms of currency we have today? At one time, bartering goods or services, paying people in salt, to the cryptocurrency emerging today. It would not have been conceivable to tap a cell phone onto a keypad and pay for items. I always think back to elementary school when we would ask to be able to use a calculator to complete math problems. And my teacher responded with, what do you think? You will always have a calculator with you as an adult? In 1992, that was game, set, match, teacher one, Jeanan zero. Think about how much progress has been made in the last 30 years. Currency is sure to change some more in the next decade or two. And I do, in fact, have a calculator with me at all times on my cell phone today. So join us on this podcast where we flip the script and where we will show you the money. While typically I am the resident history expert, today Jimmy is taking over the reins. Jimmy, take it away. All right, we're flipping the script this time, and we're going to talk about general currency to begin with. What is money? By definition, it is something of value. But over the last 10,000 years, the material form that money has taken has changed considerably, from cattle and cowrie shells to today's electronic currency. At first, there was a barter system. People exchanged resources or services for mutual benefit. In fact, this is still going on today. In, in my advertising business, I have bartered services for other items I needed. I had a complete security system installed in my home along with cameras, thermostats, for a website and some digital services. I have bartered with several of my clients over the years. So long as everyone is getting what they need, it's, it's a great way to operate. People have exchanged cattle and other livestock, food, services, labor, and other items throughout history. At one point, people were paid in salt, hence the term salary or saying someone was worth their salt. I got that little tidbit from Jeanan. In the United States, we have a similar evolution, but the goal to get a unified system of exchange was very important. The bank may not be willing to take milk and eggs for their whole staff as a mortgage payment. So what we want to accomplish in this podcast is explain the evolution of currency here in the United States. Now, I want to point out that we're not talking about banking or the Federal Reserve or Alexander Hamilton in this particular podcast, although he may come up. We're just going to show you the money. Show me the money, Jimmy. Sorry, I couldn't resist. I always enjoy a good pop culture reference. So that one was from Jerry Maguire. Okay, back to the task at hand. We're going to divide this into two sections pre-U.S. or the colonial times, and then from the time we became the United States and forward. And one thing I do want to recognize before I delve into this is the appreciation for the time that you have put into creating all these podcasts, because in preparing this one, it took some time and research on my end, although I found some great references online, which I will share. And I also want to give a shout out to teachers across the land who take time out of their day to prepare and plan their lessons for their students. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Ah, and while I'm giving shout-outs, it may be a good time to mention our sponsors. 
This podcast is brought to you in part by Keen Insights Internet Services. That's K-E-E-N-I-N-S-I-T-E-S. Go see our friends at Keen Insights for all of your internet marketing needs. Next, EliteBookEdits.com. Writing, writing, wherever it's wrong. Go see our friends over at EliteBookEdits.com for all of your book editing needs, both fiction and nonfiction. Lastly, a little plug for myself. I had a book called Unified Marketing Strategy published in April of 2021. This is for business owners, CEOs, or anybody interested in marketing, advertising, and a unified marketing strategy. Also, during the course of the COVID lockdown, I was working on a few screenplays, which I am now in the process of getting published. Be on the lookout for Immortals Revelations, a story about vampires who want to reveal themselves to the world and then things go terribly wrong as well as The Naughty List, which is a fun Christmas-themed romantic comedy where two people who are independently helping Santa get people off the naughty list are kind of matched up together. Okay, early American colonists used English, Spanish, and French money while they were under English rule. Colonial notes in 1690, paper currency in the United States is born. It's issued by the Massachusetts Bay Colony to fund military expeditions. Other colonies quickly take up the practice of issuing paper notes. Over the years, people started making copies or hiring artists who can replicate the notes. So this is a problem, and it's going to be a recurring problem. The constant battle with counterfeiters, and the more elaborate the currency gets, the more complicated and complex the counterfeiters have to be. In 1739, Ben Franklin was a staunch proponent of the colonies having their own money. Ben Franklin takes on counterfeiting using his Philadelphia printing firm to produce colonial notes with nature prints. These were unique raised patterns that were cast from actual leaves. This process adds an innovative and effective counterfeit deterrent to notes. In 1776, certain designs of continental currency feature illustrations inspired by 13 colonies fighting and defeating Great Britain in the American Revolution. These illustrations signify the colony's values and virtues. The phrase, not worth a continental, is coined after the Continental Congress issues paper currency to finance the Revolutionary War. Continental currency. In 1775, when the Revolutionary War became inevitable, the Continental Congress authorized the issuance of currency to finance the conflict. Paul Revere made the first plates for this continental currency. Those notes were redeemable in Spanish milled dollars. This currency quickly loses its value because of a lack of solid banking and the rise of counterfeiting. The depreciation of this currency gave rise to the phrase, not worth a continental. The $2 bill and the introduction of the dollar sign. The first $2 bill was a $2 continental. Interesting fact, the $2 continental is nine days older than the signed Declaration of Independence, June 25th, 1776. The United States officially adopts the dollar sign in 1785, and it evolved from the Spanish-American figure for pesos. In 1791, now, I said we weren't going to talk about Alexander Hamilton. I said we referenced him, so, but you can't talk about money and its history here in the States without, without mentioning 
Alexander Hamilton. He established the Bank of the United States to create a system of credit for the government. The bank is the first of several in this country to issue private currencies facilitating borrowing and lending. After the U.S. Constitution was ratified, Congress passed the Mint Act of April 2nd, 1792. This established the coinage system for the United States and the dollar as the principal unit of currency. By this act, the U.S. became the first country in the world to adopt the decimal system for currency. The first U.S. coins were struck in 1793 at the Philadelphia Mint and presented to Martha Washington. In 1813... Now, James Madison, we have a whole podcast on him, but his portrait is featured on multiple series of the $5,000 treasury bearer notes. These large value notes were originally redeemable for gold. The backside of the note features George Washington resigning his commission. In 1861, in order to finance the Civil War, Congress authorizes the U.S. Department of the Treasury to issue non-interest bearing demand notes. These notes earn the nickname Greenbacks because of the green ink on the back. All U.S. currency issued since 1861 remains valid and redeemable at full face value. But should you come across one of these older demand notes from 1861, I'd suggest you not trade them for their face value. You can, however, send them to us and we will give you two times the face value for whatever note you find. I'm obviously kidding, as these are worth significantly more than face value or even two times face value. The first $10 notes issued by the U.S. federal government are demand notes featuring President Abraham Lincoln's portrait, fine line engraving, and intricate geometric lathe patterns. Each demand note was immediately redeemable in gold or silver upon demand at seven specific banks around the nation. The Treasury issued demand notes were in 1861 and 1862. In 1862, after the Treasury issued demand notes, Congress authorizes a new class of currency known as United States notes or legal tender notes. These notes replace the demand notes. They continued to circulate until 1971. Similar to demand notes, they are nicknamed greenbacks. The Treasury seal first appears on currency during the Civil War. The federal government issues the first $1 legal tender note. These banknotes feature a portrait of Secretary of the Treasury, Simon P. Chase. These demand notes incorporate fine line engraving, the intricate geometric lathe work patterns, a U.S. Department of Treasury seal, and engraved signatures to aid in counterfeit deterrence. To this day, U.S. currency continues to add features to deter counterfeiting, and we're going to talk about some of the more modern methods later on. The Treasury seal first appears on currency during the Civil War. While the color and style of the seal changes over the years, the internal seal remains essentially the same to modern day with a key, scales, and stars. 1863, Liberty and Justice. American money has depicted liberty and justice as allegorical figures. On interest-bearing notes of 1863, Justice can be seen holding her scales. She appears on the right side of a $50 bill from 1880 holding a sword and a shield. Congress establishes a national banking system and authorizes the U.S. Department of the Treasury to oversee the issuance of national banknotes. This system sets federal guidelines for chartering and regulating national banks and authorizes those banks to issue national currency secured 
by the purchase of United States bonds. Now, the first $100 and $500 national banknotes feature John Trumbull's paintings, the Declaration of Independence and the Surrender of General Burgoyne. Both of these paintings now hang in the U.S. Capitol building, so they incorporated some, some artwork into the currency. The United States Secret Service is established in 1865 to deter counterfeiters whose activities diminished the public's confidence in the nation's currency. So the Secret Service was established initially to defer counterfeiters. In 1869, George Washington makes his first appearance on the $1 bill. The Bureau of Engraving and Printing begins engraving and printing the faces and seals of U.S. banknotes. Before this, U.S. banknotes were produced by private banknote companies and then sent to the Bureau of Engraving and Printing for the sealing, trimming, and cutting. In 1874, congressional legislation recognizes the U.S. Department of the Treasury's Bureau of Engraving and Printing, BEP, with specific allocation of operating funds for the fiscal year of 1875. In 1877, Congress mandates that the U.S. Department of the Treasury solely performs the engraving and printing of notes, bonds, and other securities of the United States. 1878, the U.S. Department of the Treasury issues silver certificates. Legislation directing an increase in the purchase and coinage of silver authorizes the creation of these certificates. In 1881, former U.S. Senator Blanche Kelso Bruce is the first African-American to have his signature on American paper currency. He becomes the Register of the United States in 1881. In 1886, women on currency, the $1 silver certificates feature Martha Washington in their 1886 and 1896 series. Martha Washington is the first and only woman to date to grace the primary portrait of U.S. paper currency. That is, of course, until Harriet Tubman is set to be on the $20 bill within the next few years. That is a true statement, but we are still in the time as of the recording of this podcast where Martha Washington is the first and only woman. Harriet Tubman, soon to come. Okay, 1896, Jim the Penman. Emmanuel Ninger is, a, is arrested for counterfeiting banknotes. He's nicknamed Jim the Penman by the U.S. Secret Service. Ninger uses only a pen and a brush to counterfeit money. While his work is convincing, he is caught because the ink dissolved on one of his counterfeits. In 1896, the U.S. released a series of silver certificates with neoclassical designs. They were referred to as the Educational Series. The $1 note had allegorical figures of history instructing the youth. $2 notes had figures of science presenting the children, steam and electricity to adults, commerce, and manufacture. The 1900s now, the Federal Reserve Act in 1913 established this nation's Federal Reserve System. This act authorized the Federal Reserve Banks to issue this act authorized the Federal Reserve Banks to issue Federal Reserve banknotes. In 1914, the Federal Reserve began issuing these notes, the only currency still being manufactured today by the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. The Federal Reserve Board, which is separate from the Treasury Department, issues $10 Federal Reserve notes featuring Andrew Jackson's portrait. These notes are physically larger than $10 bills currently in circulation. In 1918, the Federal Reserve Board begins issuing currency in 500, 1,000, 
5,000, and 10,000 denominations. The 1,000 Federal Reserve note features Alexander Hamilton's portrait. This bill was discontinued in 1969. The 1928 series had Grover Cleveland's image. The 5,000 note features James Madison, and the $10,000 note features Salmon P. Chase. This note is intended for bank-to-bank large-value transfers, not for public circulation. In 1928, and keeping up with technology in the world, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing Engraver, Louis Schofield, added an automobile in front of the Treasury Building image on the back of the $10 notes issued between 1928 and 1996. The car was based on a number of different models and brands that were available in the 1920s. Also in 1928, serial numbers start getting added to the bills. Again, this was really to combat counterfeiting. In 1929, we get a standardization of design for the 1, 2, 5, 10, 20, 50, and $100 bills. The appearance of the banknotes changes greatly this time. In an effort to lower manufacturing costs, all Federal Reserve notes are made about 30% smaller, measuring 6.14 times 2.61 inches rather than the 7.37 by 3.125 inches. So these are smaller and what you would what you would expect to see today. In 1934, in addition, the standardized designs are instituted for each denomination, decreasing the number of designs in circulation and making it easier for the public to distinguish between genuine and counterfeit notes. With all the variations, it was easy to kind of throw in a counterfeit But now with the standardization, that's going to make it a lot more difficult to happen. 1934, the treasurer of the United States issues a $100,000 gold certificate to Federal Reserve's banks to settle large value transactions. The gold certificate features Woodrow Wilson and does not get circulated amongst the public. Can you imagine making these larger transactions with with 20s, 50s, and $100 bills going bank to bank? That's why they came up with the, the $10,000 note and now this $100,000 note as, or I'm sorry, the $100,000 gold certificate that goes from bank to bank for the larger transactions. In 1935, the Federal Reserve notes on the $1 bill feature the obverse and reverse of the Great Seal of the United States. The seal dates to 1782. Its reverse side depicts the Eye of Providence and an unfinished pyramid symbolizing the nation's strength and duration. The seal's obverse side shows an eagle bearing a shield and clutching both an olive branch and arrows in its talons. In 1935, Victor Lustig is arrested for using a money-making machine to produce counterfeit currency. His operations were based in St. Louis, and from what we know, it is the first attempt at mass production of counterfeit currency. So in 1941, the Secret Service starts a Know Your Money campaign, and they print Know Your Money booklets to educate the public on designs and features of genuine currency. It features cartoons and displays uh, images of counterfeit bills next to the genuine bills. I found these these little prints or the booklets had some um, funny cartoons in there where, you know, looks good, looks bad. And it was, it's worth a look. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try to share that, 
that link in the description of the podcast. In 1942, special World War II currency is created. The Bureau of Engraving and Printing prints silver certificates and Federal Reserve notes bearing a Hawaii overprint. These items only circulate in Hawaii and their brown seals and serial numbers differentiate from other certificates. They are easily identifiable and can be declared valueless if Hawaii is overran by enemy forces. So there was a reason behind the differentiation of the Hawaiian currency back in World War II. In 1943, Allied military currency is for use by Allied invasion forces in Italy. The AMC, Allied Military Currency, helped prevent inflation after Allied forces landed in Sicily. Soldiers used similar AMC in Austria, Germany, France, and Japan. In 1945, the Federal Reserve issues a $500 bill that feature President William McKinley's portrait. These circulate for roughly two decades and remain legal tender. In 1956, following a 1955 law requiring in God We Trust on All Currency, the motto first appears on banknotes on series 1957 $1 silver certificates, then on the 1963 series Federal Reserve Notes. In God We Trust is the official motto of the United States and of the U.S. state of Florida. It was adopted by the U.S. Congress in 1956, replacing E Pluribus Unum, which means out of many, one. That had been the de facto motto since the initial 1776 design of the Great Seal of the United States. Now, the earliest mentions of the phrase can be found in the mid-18th century. The origins of the phrase as a political motto lie in the American Civil War, where Union supporters wanted to emphasize their attachment to God and boost morale. The capitalized form, In God We Trust, first appeared on the two-cent piece in 1864 and has appeared on paper currency since 1957 and on post stamps since 1954. A law passed in a joint resolution by the 84th Congress and approved by President Dwight Eisenhower on July 30th, 1956, requires that In God We Trust appear on all American currency. The following year, the phrase was used on paper money for the first time on the updated $1 silver certificate that entered circulation in October of 1957. The 84th Congress later passed legislation, also, also signed by President Eisenhower on July 30th, declaring the phrase to be the national motto. Several states have also mandated or authorized its use in public institutions or schools, while Florida, Georgia, and Mississippi have incorporated the phrase in some of their state symbols. Now, some groups and people have objected to its use, contending that its religious reference violates the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. These groups believe the phrase should be removed from currency and public property, which has resulted in a number of lawsuits. This argument has not overcome the interpretational doctrine of accommodationism, which allows government to endorse religious establishments as long as they are all treated equally, and that of ceremonial deism, which states that a repetitious invocation of a religious entity in ceremonial matters strips the phrase of its original religious connotation. The New Hampshire Supreme Court, as well as the 2nd, 4th, 6th, 8th, 9th, and 10th circuits, 
have all upheld the constitutionality of the motto in various settings. The Supreme Court has discussed the motto in footnotes, but has never directly ruled on its compliance with the Constitution. This motto remains popular among the American public. According to a 2003 joint poll by USA Today, 90% of Americans support the inscription in God We Trust on U.S. coins. However, in 2019, a student poll by College Pulse showed that only 53% of students supported its inclusion in currency. I always like to say, in God we trust, all others pay cash. Um, that's a little business joke that I have, but um, I thought I'd include that here as a little comedy relief. The first ATM comes out in 1963. Automated teller machines first appeared in New York City. They allow bank customers to retrieve cash from their accounts without needing to visit the bank. I'm sure we are all familiar today with ATMs, but they first came out in 1963. In 1969, they end uh, large denomination bills. So July 14th, 1969, the Federal Reserve and the U.S. Department of Treasury announced that banknotes in denominations of 500, 1,000, 5,000, and 10,000 would be discontinued due to lack of use. Although they were issued until 1969, they were last printed in 1945. Because the United States notes no longer served any function not already adequately met by the Federal Reserve notes, their issuance was discontinued and beginning in 1971, no new United States notes were placed into circulation. So you have different notes. You have the United States notes and you have the Treasury notes. The Treasury notes are the ones that are, that are around today. The government did not issue paper money until 1861. In the interim years, however, the government did issue Treasury notes intermittently during periods of financial stress, such as the World War of 1812, the Mexican War of 1846, which are also mentioned in previous podcasts and gone into much greater detail as well as the Panic of 1857. What was the Panic of 1857, Jeannie? The Panic of 1857 was, you know, a brief economic crisis that in many ways was a byproduct of both the Industrial Revolution and the California Gold Rush. So you've got, you know, these this large amount of, you know, gold or silver even, you know, being thrown into the money supply. And then after a while, that, that dries up. It wasn't a major economic blip, but it was enough um, you know, to cause a bit of an economic worldwide crisis just because by the 1850s, the global community is much more connected and more people knew about it because you have advancements like the telegraph that can spread information quickly. But throughout American history, you have these various panics. Um, you know, we talked about the panic of 1893 a bit in another podcast, so you'll hear them from time to time. Thank you for that. I do like to keep you on your toes and you were ready with the information. Awesome. All right, we, we now, in 1976, the nation's 200th anniversary, and to commemorate the bicentennial, the $2 Federal Reserve note is reintroduced, featuring a new vignette, Trumbull's painting, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. One year later, in 1977, A.Z. Taylor Morton is the first African-American woman to have her signature on a Federal Reserve note. Morton is the 36th treasurer of the United States. In 1990, and I don't know if you recall this, but the security thread and microprinting is introduced in Federal Reserve notes to deter counterfeiting by copiers and printers. 
So these are features that if you hold the bill up to light, you can see a strip going through the dollar. So this feature first appeared on series 1990 $100 notes. By 1993, the features appeared on all denominations except for the $1 and $2 notes. In 1996, the currency went through another redesign. In the first significant design change since the 1920s, U.S. currency is redesigned to incorporate a series of new counterfeit deterrents. Issuance of the new banknotes begin with the $100 note in 1996, followed by the $50 note in 97, the 20 in 98, and the 10 and 5 in 2000. So what did these notes look like? So the redesigned, we'll use the $20 note as an example, it features a subtle background color of green and peach. The $20 note includes an embedded security thread that glows green when illuminated by UV light. And when held to light, a portrait watermark of President Jackson is visible from both sides of the note. In addition, the note includes a color-shifting numeral 20 in the lower right-hand corner of the note. So if you want to take out a $20 bill and, and take a look, you can look at all of that right there in the palm of your hand. In 2004, we redesigned the $50 note, and this features subtle background colors of blue and red. The $50 note includes an embedded security thread that glows yellow when illuminated with UV light. That's ultraviolet light. When held to light, a portrait watermark... When held to light, a portrait watermark of President Grant is visible from both sides of the note. In addition, the note includes a color-shifting numeral 50 in the lower right-hand corner of the note, similar to the 20. In 2006, the redesigned $10 note features subtle background colors of orange, yellow, and red. So it's interesting if you were to have all of these next to each other, including the five, you'll be able to see all of these different colors. Right, So the $10 note, orange, yellow, red, the $10 note includes an embedded security thread that glows orange when illuminated by ultraviolet light. And when held to light, a portrait watermark of Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton is visible from both sides of the note. And it has a color shifting numeral 10 in the lower right-hand corner. So all, there are a lot of similarities with these, but the colors are different. The $5 note has subtle background colors of light purple and gray. The $5 note includes an embedded security thread that glows blue when illuminated by UV light. Two watermarks are featured of the $5 note, which are visible from both sides. A vertical pattern of three numeral fives is situated to the left of the portrait, and a large numeral five is located in the blank space to the right of the portrait. In 2013, we redesigned the $100 note yet again. The first redesign since 1996, so it's almost 20 years later. The new designed $100 note features additional security features, including a 3D security ribbon and color-shifting bell in the inkwell. The new designed $100 note also includes a portrait watermark of Ben Franklin that is visible from both sides of the note when held to light. In 2015, the Federal Reserve Board launched uscurrency.gov to inform the public about the security and design 
features of Federal Reserve notes. This website offers multilingual educational materials free for public use. And this website is where we found most of the information for this podcast. In 2020, the 12 Federal Reserve banks repurposed banknotes not fit for circulation. The banks shred and reuse the money that is too worn or dirty for a number of purposes such as insulation or compost. So once again, some sources if you want to go back and take a look at this or see some images related to this podcast, you can go to uscurrency.gov backslash history, or you can just go to uscurrency.gov and you can navigate your way through it. It's not that difficult. Thanks for listening to U.S. History Repeated. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parler. Visit our website, ushistoryrepeated.com, and subscribe to our podcast. There's always more to learn. Talk to you soon.